This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy. Season 2, Episode 3. To reopen or not to reopen? That is the question. For the last six weeks, 90% of Americans have been told to stay at home, and we have largely observed that directive. However, over the last week, and certainly into this week, we're beginning to see quite a number of states which are reopening. We're also beginning to see protests around the country in states which are slower to reopen. In today's podcast, we're going to focus on best practices for reopening. And going forward, the San Francisco experience every Monday, we'll do a recap of reopening news both here in California, throughout the country, and we'll try to take one international case study of best practices in a foreign country. Today's foreign country, which we will focus on towards the end of our podcast, will be Ireland. However, here at home, Texas has lifted its stay-at-home orders for its 29 million residents. Texas, of course, is the largest single state at this point to have lifted its stay-at-home orders. It's the second largest state in the country by population. State of Maine has let its hair salons reopen. State of Georgia has permitted restaurants to open. Alabama is permitting clothing boutiques to open. But at the same time, we're seeing ugly clashes across the country over how, when, and even if opening should happen. Partisan battles last week took place in Michigan and Illinois. And in both cases, there were ugly moments where protesters went too far. The dividing lines between the those that are reopening and those that are still closed break down on geographical regions as well as a vast sea of opinions of the average person in the street as regards what the country should or should not be doing. Lifting stringent stay-at-home rules after almost six weeks marks a new phase in the nation's coronavirus fight. Growth rates for COVID-19 and fatality rates have slowed in New York and California, the two largest states by population and also by coronavirus infection. But at the same time, they are increasing in states like Massachusetts, Nebraska, and Wisconsin. Clearly, a one-size-fits-all approach to reopening does not work for this country of 50 states, 330 million people. We are a huge country of 3.5 million square miles, and we stretch from the Arctic Ocean in the north to the tropical Caribbean in the south and from the Atlantic to the Pacific Ocean. So we, of course, have always been a very diverse country, and that diversity of opinion is 
apparent as we move from stay-at-home to reopening. A map of the United States was published by the New York Times this past weekend, which shows the reopened and closed states, and it's very instructive. Let me explain it to you. The reopened states are largely in the south, in the Mountain West, the upper Midwest, and of course, Florida and Texas. The states that remain closed are largely on the West Coast, plus Arizona and New Mexico, the Northeast, the Mid-Atlantic, and the Midwest. Now, the map roughly approximates the red and blue map of the Presidential Electoral College that we are always familiar with every four years. But in a sense, we should not be surprised by that. But most importantly, this is not an ideological fight as regards whether we open or not open and when we do so. The less populated rural states, which are reopening, tend to be in the, in the west and in the south. And the heavily urbanized and industrial states, which are in the east and in the midwest, are remaining closed. If there is a political calculus to the breakdown in this presidential election year, that is not our purpose to analyze in today's podcast. But the map does illustrate large regional variations in opening or staying closed. And for our listeners overseas, I can't emphasize this point enough. The regionalism of the United States, for those of you who may not be as familiar with our country, Regionalism plays a very important role, has done from the very founding of the country through the Civil War and up to today. And you're seeing those differing points of view and perspectives regionally in whether or not to open or stay closed. California is a case in point. We are a large state of 40 million people. In fact, we have the largest population of any state in the Union. Landmass, we are 163,000 square miles, and the state of California is divided into 58 counties. And the 58 counties range in size from the smallest county, Alturas County, with 2,500 people, to the largest county, Los Angeles County, with over 10 million people, or 25% of the state's population. You can see that the diversity between those two states, those two counties rather, the largest and the smallest, would just indicate what a tough job the governor of California has in crafting stay-at-home rules that would apply to a county of 2,500 people in the rural north to a county of 10 million people in the heavily urbanized and industrialized Los Angeles, Southern California region. However, that is why we are having the protest that we're having in California. The one-size-fits-all approach just doesn't work very well. And we probably do need to have a more relaxed approach and a more flexible approach 
county by county. With our beaches in the south of the state, in Orange County and Ventura County heavily used, on the other hand, in northern reaches of the state, the wilderness areas and mountains in the north are rarely populate, are sparsely populated, and those parks and parklands are rarely used. So the more rural counties want to reopen fast, and the more urbanized counties want to take a much slower approach. Very instructive, the first of the 58 counties which has defied Mayor Newsom is Modoc County. It's a small county in the northeast corner of the state with a population of 8,800. Last Friday, Modoc County allowed all of its businesses, schools, and churches to reopen so long as people stay six feet apart. In other words, yes, business schools and churches may reopen, but social distancing in Modoc County in those business establishments and schools must be observed. So it looks as though Modoc County is trying to trying to do the right thing, the responsible thing, and insisting on social distancing, but opening up the entire county to business. Now, two more counties uh, adjacent to Sacramento, the state capital, are also heading down the same path as Modoc County. And those counties are Sutter County and Yuba County. They have a combined population of 171,000 people. And between them, they only have 50 coronavirus cases. And as I said, they are about to follow suit and do what Modoc County did. They're likely to do that today, Monday, May 4th, and to open up both of their counties to business and schools and uh, restaurants, etc. There are not quite a few other counties in central San Joaquin Valley, which is our big agricultural region, and on the central coast, which is lightly populated, which are also demanding immediate reopening action. A poll by UC Berkeley's Government Institute Studies organization showed that California voters broadly support Governor Newsom, 70 to 30 percent, and say they are more concerned about staying at home and more concerned that it might end too soon. However, that 70% number is down from 75% two weeks ago. And you can see that the support for the stay-at-home restrictions is beginning to fray at the edges, particularly in some of our smaller counties as they begin to essentially confront the governor, go their own way, and open up. And the more states that, the more counties rather, that take matters into their own hands and reopen their businesses, the greater challenge it's going to be for Governor Newsom. And we will end up with a patchwork map similar to that of the United States. And that's, that is the last thing that California as a state needs. We need to have sufficient flexibility in the stay-at-home rules 
so that some smaller rural counties can begin the process faster to get back to normal. Maybe call it a two-speed return to normal, where smaller rural counties can uh, speed up the process and larger urban counties maybe take a little bit more time. The governor announced last Friday that we could see some action later this week to begin a phased reopening of society. So we'll be watching his press conference very closely towards the end of this week to see if there is a uh, more flexible approach and a two-speed approach for the rural areas of California and the urban areas. The six-county Bay Area region, led by San Francisco, has already begun to put such a plan into effect. Uh, they have opened up today uh, parks, golf courses, and some garden centers. Admittedly, uh, restaurants and business places remain closed, but construction sites have opened. So here in the Bay Area, we're beginning to see the first early steps, and in San Francisco, we're beginning to see the first early steps of reopening. Now, the challenge that we have is that, again, we're beginning, California is beginning to look more like a patchwork. And why is California taking such a slow approach? Well, I think one of the reasons for that is that the assumption that we made several weeks ago or that the governor's office made several weeks ago was that there would be enormous testing resources made available to California to test for the coronavirus, both the somewhat invasive nasal swab test, which requires a nasal swab, sending that specimen off to a lab, waiting up to a week and getting the results, as well as the antibody test, which was announced by Abbott Labs, the uh, finger prick test, which would show whether or not you were exposed to antibodies, wouldn't tell you whether or not you were currently whether you were currently contagious, but at least would tell you that you had been exposed and you had antibodies. Those resources that California thought we were going to be getting, they have not materialized. Therefore, absent the larger testing infrastructure that we thought was going to be in place by the end of April, the beginning of May, that just hasn't materialized. So understandably, both at the governor's level and at certain of the larger urbanized county levels, until we actually get that testing in place, and then from testing comes tracing, comes reporting, comes self-isolation once you are diagnosed with the coronavirus, to the extent that we haven't made as much progress on the testing side here, that, in my estimation, is one of the reasons that California is taking a uh, more of a go-slow attitude in that regard. New York, by contrast, seems to have gotten more testing resources available to it. Now, let's move on and look at what some countries around the world are doing. On Friday evening, Ireland's Prime Minister Leo Varadkar announced a five-point phase-in plan to which is entitled A Roadmap to Take the Country Back to Normal. 
and that covers both the economy and society as a whole. And here is a summary of the five-phase plan to reopen. And it's a progressive plan. It is entitled A Roadmap for Reopening Society and Business. And the roadmap effectively will reopen Irish society over 12 weeks. Before we go into the five phases of it, let me just let me just say that I was very impressed that on the very first or second page of the plan, there's a list of six governing principles upon which the plan is based. Let me go over those principles because I would like to see these principles adopted here in California by our governor when we do come up with our full plan for getting back to normal. Uh, principle number one, uh, it will be based on safety and the roadmap will be guided by public health assessments of risk. Principle number two, the roadmap will be rational. It will weigh economic and social benefits of every major decision which is taken as part of the roadmap process. Number three, it will be evidence-informed. All data will be made available and will underpin each major decision as regards implementation of the roadmap. Number four, it will be a fair roadmap. Uh, it will be ethical and it will support human dignity. Number five, it will be open and transparent and decisions are will be clear and well communicated to society at large. And number six, the roadmap will include the whole of Irish society and it will be based on the concepts of solidarity and cohesion for the country of four million people. I'm very impressed with those governing principles before they got into the mechanics of how it works. They stated very clearly up front, these are the governing principles upon which the roadmap is based. The five phases over a 12-week period essentially go from May 18th with the, uh, with the end of stay at home. It's, so it's a progressive baby step, step-by-step step roadmap. And the, uh, the first phase begins two weeks from today on May 18th with the ending of the most restrictive elements of the stay at home requirements. And then the second phase begins June 18th, based on the success of the first phase. And the third phase begins June 23rd. Each one of those phases, and all five of the phases, um, all set measurable targets so that before you move on to phase number two or phase number three or phase number four, there will be measurable, achievable goals which will be studied, make sure that you've achieved those goals, and then move on to the next phase. The program also allows for a stop-start mechanism so that if there is an unforeseen resurgence in COVID-19 infections and fatalities, that the plan can stop. A reassessment of the plan and a reassessment of the resurgence can be analyzed and determine if the dates of the roadmap need to be revised. July 20th and August 10th will be the two last phases of the roadmap when Ireland as a whole should be back to normal 
And as I said, it is a 12-week roadmap, which effectively takes the country from tight shutdown to a return to normal. Of course, the new normal that we will face anywhere, whether it's in Ireland or the United States, is going to look somewhat different from the normal that we knew at the beginning of 2020. But most importantly, Ireland has five target dates, May 18th, June 8th, June 23rd, July 20th, and August 10th, with progressive steps on its roadmap to achieve a return to normalcy. I applaud them for their target dates, and I applaud them for a very clear, measurable, and fair approach to get the country back to normal. So it can be done. Admittedly, easier to do perhaps in a country of 4 million people with a homogeneous population uh, and which is largely, largely agricultural. But all the same, kudos to Ireland, kudos to the Prime Minister of Ireland, Leo Varadkar, for showing the leadership and the creativity to come up with a plan which I think we should take close, a closer look at here in California and in the United States. Once again, every Monday, the San Francisco Experience will give a recap of reopening news from around California, the United States, and we'll try to focus on one international success story of how other countries are getting back to normal. Our sources for today's podcast were the New York Times, the San Francisco Chronicle, the Government of Ireland, and the Santa Rosa Press Democrat. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Experience. This is your host, Jim Herlihy, signing off from America's favorite city, San Francisco. <laughs>